Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. As we talk about, as we've crossed the, the top of the hump and on the way down the backside of this curve, as models are showing, uh, there's lots of discussion about what this is going to look like going down the backside. And and many have said that, that coming out of this is going to be uh, much more a difficult exercise than it was going up the side of this hill and closing everything down. Uh, with the reopening, many have talked about, is there enough testing? Is there enough supplies, masks, or whatever? for those of those for those that are on the front lines and such and how do we go about monitoring and policing all of this well you may, you may have heard the term contract tracing uh and could should this be implemented during the pandemic to monitor what was going on the prime minister says yes but privacy concerns need to be addressed what is this what does it all mean let's bring in carmy levy tech analyst he is with us now carmy thanks for the time hope you're doing well oh great to be here scott thanks for having me on so as we've seen and as we've talked about in the past, you know, obviously technology is way ahead of society. And we've seen with this pandemic how technology has immediately jumped right up uh, or so, sorry, society has immediately jumped up to where technology uh, is just because we're being forced to. It's, it's like we almost jumped uh, 20 years in, with people not even realizing how long this technology has been around. Explain what contract uh, contact uh, contra- uh, contact tracing is and how it applies here, what it all means. So the old way to do contact tracing is very manual. Uh, normally, when, as soon as someone is diagnosed positive with something contagious, in this case, COVID-19, obviously, but it can be used for any anything that's contagious, anything pandemic-related. Um, public health officials then dig into their recent past. Where did they go? You know, where did they travel? What did that track look like? And then what they do is they try to kind of figure out who did they come in contact with over the last few days and weeks. And then they reach out and they let them know, hey, you know, you you came in contact with someone who's just been diagnosed as positive, so you may want to seek. Uh, medical attention, you may want to self-isolate, go into quarantine, all that good stuff. So basically what it does is it gives public health officials a clear picture of where the contagious people have been, and it allows them to, looking forward, as we start considering opening up the economy, it allows them to, uh, you know, sort of have their cake and eat it too. Open up the economy, but also keep contagious people apart to, to stop the spread. So this is obviously a crucial tool. The problem is, once the, the trajectory reaches a point where it's in the thousands or tens of thousands or millions or whatever, it doesn't scale well. Uh, it takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy and resources to do manual contract contact tracing. So wouldn't it be cool if we could use technology? Well, it turns out we can. We all carry smartphones. Smartphones are aware of where we are all the time. What if we could put something on our phones that would track our location and then lay those tracks into a database and then compare that with everyone else's and say, hey, you were at the grocery store last week when you came in contact with someone, you may want to take care of this. So automate contact tracing. Apple and Google have now announced they're working on a technology that they want to be able to build into iOS and Android, the two main mobile operating systems. They're releasing tools this week to the public developer community so they can create services on top of that. So this is moving very quickly, which is amazing. Give, allow technology to reign in the pandemic. The problem is once you start sharing all that location information, it, op- it opens up a bit of a privacy Pandora's box. Who has access to all of this data? What happens if it gets into the wrong hands? What happens if my insurance company gets a hold of it and uses it to deny me coverage because they said I should not have been behaving in that way? So we need to have 
protections in place that allow public health needs to be addressed because we all want this thing to be ended and we want technology to drive that process. But at the same time, we also don't want to be compromised in terms of privacy along the way. Tough balance, um, but doesn't mean it can't happen. But there are conversations we need to have and protections we need to put in place before we simply say, go ahead, Apple and Google, do your thing. All right, let, just to let me take this down one more level. So basically what you're saying is is that they will trace everybody where they are via these apps on their phones, and whenever, for example, the path of someone who's been infected or is carrying overlaps with others, those are red flagged. That's exactly it. And, you know, we've seen other initiatives from other companies. There's a company in Montreal, for example, that's creating um, badges that you wear on your belt uh, that if they if it comes close to another one within two and a half meters of another one of those badges, then uh, it beeps and it warns you, get away, maintain your physical distance. This all sounds really good, but you can't you know, say, okay, millions of people go out and buy these badges uh, and then wear them all the time. You can't enforce behaviors like that. We know very clearly even getting people to download an app is not that easy and getting everybody to download the app is also not easy. So, which is why having Apple and Google drive this initiative is so critical. Most of us are already carrying, 88% of Canadians, according to Sascan, already have a smartphone. So we already have this technology in place. And then what Apple and Google are talking about is, A, they could push it to our phone. So in other words, you and I don't have to do anything. It just appears on the phone. And then the data doesn't get shared with Apple and Google. They're not tracking us by GPS. It's simply using Bluetooth to say, I came in contact with another iPhone or Android phone, Therefore, I'm setting something off in the database and I'm, I'm sending off a warning. So they don't know where we are. They're not telling the government where we are. They're simply saying your path crossed. You've got to do something. So it's kind of it's, it's using location, but not to the degree where our privacy could be violated. It's kind of a nice balance. So, in other words, this is using the technology after the fact. So, in other words, if somebody has just been uh, diagnosed or confirmed as having it, then they would trace their phone to see what other uh, or who else they had come in contact with. Uh, as opposed to, say, what, say, other countries are doing where they're, they're monitoring people and telling them where they can go and when they step out a certain area, their phone will go off. So, this can be taken in, in, in to different extremes. Exactly. I mean, you know, depending on, and we've seen, uh, for example, Singapore, Taiwan, Hong Kong, China, they've used somewhat more draconian um, applications of this technology to enforce behaviors. That's not what the Apple and Google announcement really is focused on. There is no enforcement of behavior at all. It's mainly passive tracking uh, and then advisory after the fact. So is it as effective? Again, we haven't put it in place, so I can't speak to that. Potentially, yes, because obviously the more the more you clamp down on people's behaviors to keep them apart, the, the less likely they are to transmit. But at the same time, we don't want to ruin it. Again, we want to open up the economy, not ruin it. Uh, so, so it allows you to kind of have your cake and eat it, too. Um, and it means that we don't go down those human or individual rights uh, paths that they have in other countries. So it's more of an investigative tool than it is a um, 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 uh, a tool used in order to follow somebody or or charge somebody with something. Exactly, it could not be used, for example, by law enforcement to say, "Hey, you know, you did this, therefore, right. you know, the data tells us you did something." So that you know, we're not going there at all. Um, and in fact, Apple and Google make it very clear: 
the data stays on your phone. It does not get shared with Apple and Google. It doesn't get shared with anyone or any of their partners. So there's absolutely no way for law enforcement to get access to that information unless they have a warrant to go after your phone, which, as you and I know, probably not going to happen at any scale going forward. So where is this going now? Where is this now? What are the discussions? Uh, So the discussions are, you know, Canada has said, you know, we know what Justin Trudeau has said. He said, you know, we're interested in it. We're talking about it. But we need to make sure our privacy questions are answered first before we move forward with it. So that's one. So conceivably, they're talking to, uh, you know, both, you know, with public health officials as well as with technology companies. I'm pretty sure Apple and Google are involved in that conversation as well as their partners. Going forward, uh, globally, Apple and Google are releasing some of these tools into the public domain over the next few days. Um, And so we expect to have a better sense of what that roadmap looks like within the next week or so. I would say probably early versions of those tools will likely be live sometime in mid-May, mid to late May. Um, So they're moving pretty quickly, and I'm I'm figuring once they're available, Canada's going to have to respond. They're going to have to say, yes, you know, were you part of of this or not? And I'm leaning toward, you know, once sort of Apple's and Google's roadmap is made clear – I'm pretty sure Justin Trudeau is going to see the light of day and he's going to say, you know what, this makes sense for us. They've balanced uh, public health and privacy, and it makes sense for us to move forward because this is in the public good. And I think that really is the ultimate question. They're not using this technology to sell us stuff we don't need, which is, let's face it, what we've been using it all to do all along without complaint. They're using it to hmm. save lives, and I think most Canadians would, would appreciate that that is an appropriate use of the technology. Who else is doing this or will be doing this? So we're going to see this go ahead in the U.S. Clearly, Apple and Google, they want to, they want to pilot it there. But we're also seeing pilots uh, in the U.K. We're seeing pilots in Brazil. We've seen pilots uh, in various parts of Asia uh, using other forms of the technology. For example, India was using bracelets, uh, proximity-aware bracelets, um, in certain areas that were considered hotspots. Obviously, not something that you can scale to 1.3 billion people, but it certainly points us in a direction where Technology is going to be used to understand how we move and to give us better insight. And so, you know, I don't think uh, we're going to see the government giving out bracelets anytime soon, certainly not here. Um, But I think, uh, you know, easily pushed technology to smartphones. I think that's coming to Canada sooner rather than later. Will this be voluntary, do you think? Well, I mean, you know, to a certain extent, we have already agreed to it. And Apple and Google have said that when the tool becomes available, we will have to opt into it. In other words, you'll, you'll pick up your phone, you'll get a little message saying, uh, you know, you know, do, you know we've, we've, we've updated your phone. Do you approve of this? Yes or no. I'm pretty sure it's going to be kind of like a default yes. Like if you hit the, you know, the enter key or the accept key, that is your acceptance of it. They're going to make it relatively easy for us to not opt out um, and for us to all opt in. I think that's really where they need to go. But we will be given the opportunity to choose whether we want this technology active on our phones or not. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. And since it is preventative, it would obviously be in everybody's best interest to do this because in a sense what you're doing is if somebody tests positive, then they can track their phone and see who they have crossed paths with. So it's only in your benefit to have this app. Would that be accurate? Absolutely. I mean, I think about this every time. I am the designated shopper within my house. So every time I go to a grocery store... To shop, my my thought is, like, I look at everyone as as someone who's potentially infected, and I obviously stay away from them. I would like to know if I cross paths with someone who was infected. It gives me information that allows me to act accordingly to maximize my potential for a happy, healthy outcome. 
Um, the not knowing is what kills me. The not knowing is, I think, what worries us all. We simply don't know when we're in a public space, staying away from each other, who has it and who doesn't. Well, if I had a technology that gave me a little bit of insight into that, I'd feel a lot better about this whole thing. What do you think the response is going to be to this from the Can- from Canadians? I think Canadians are largely reasonable people. I think we get it. Uh, I think we understand that we've already let the privacy uh, sort of, we've opened up that privacy Pandora's yeah. box already. Most of us have already opted into all of these things for marketing purposes for years. Are, so we, isn't every social media site doing this anyway? Exactly. Um, so, you know, we, we, we talk about how, you know, when we have a conversation about, um, you know, toilet paper and suddenly toilet paper ads show up in our Facebook feeds, that's because we've already opted into all of this mm-hmm. and our privacy has already gone out the door. Uh, and, and not for the purposes of saving lives, but for the purpose of selling us stuff that we may or may not need. So, you know, to, to sort of say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to opt into this now because I'm concerned about privacy is somewhat disingenuous. We should have hmm. had this conversation years ago. And in many respects, we've already voted with, uh, with our smartphones. We've already voted that we want convenience. Um, and we're willing to give up some private information in the process. Now is not the time for us to draw a line and say, well, we're not going to do it for, for public health. Now is the time for us to do it for, for public health. And I think most Canadians get that. So, Carmi, as a tech expert, when does this go too far? Uh, I think it goes too far when, the, when we lose control over the data that these apps and services are collecting when it becomes opaque. In other words, uh, my phone is collecting information on me, but I don't know where it's going. I don't know where it's, where it's being shared, who it's being shared with, under what circumstances. And I don't have access to tools that, will, that would allow me to control or limit that sharing. Um, and so that's, you know, if you look at sort of the history of Facebook, I'll use that as an example, for the better part of the last 10 years, they fought a battle. They want to sort of keep things open. Uh, and uh, governments, including the one in Canada, have been forcing them to kind of tighten things up and give us more tools in the settings area so that we can control our online privacy destiny. So that, that's the same thing here. As long as we have that control, I think we, we feel that we're, we're able to maintain that sort of balance. Once we lose that control and that visibility, well, that's when bad things happen from a privacy perspective. And nobody wants to go there. And I think uh, especially here in Canada, we've learned that lesson. And I think Canadians, compared to consumers in other countries, we're ahead of the privacy curve. And I think we get it. And I think our outcomes are going to be more positive because of it. So this more a reactionary tool, is there any way this can be made more proactive or is that when we get into trouble? Yeah, I think that's where we, we, we run the risk of crossing that line. Is I think we need to be really careful about um, making it seem like you know big tech companies like Apple and Google and the governments that they're partnering with, that they're dictating behaviors that, oh, we sold you the phone, so we're just going to flip this thing on and, you know, you know, you've already agreed to it, so we're not going to have that conversation. I think, you know, the more we push in that direction, the more we run the risk of there being a backlash. And so I think it makes sense um, for these two companies, particularly because they are the dominant players in mobile right now, for them to make it abundantly clear we are not going to impose our will. We are going to follow a somewhat passive track, but at the same time, we are going to be aggressive at using that passive technology to do everything we can to stop the spread and allow that reopening of the economy without necessarily uh, allowing us to have a second wave of infections later this summer or into the fall. And I think, you know, if if you want to reopen the economy, something like a contract contact tracing app or service on your phone, that is going to be a critical tool. We literally cannot have one without the other. And I think we understand that. I think we just need to see it in practice. 
Uh, you bring up a valid point because we're talking about reopening the economy and coming down the backside of this curve. Many have said we need more testing for that to happen. We need more personal protective equipment for the frontline workers and such. Where does this tool fit in there? Well, I, I Is it just it, as valuable? Yeah. I think it is. And I, I see it as another arrow in the quiver, another tool for the much broader toolkit that we as individuals and that public health officials and hospitals and governments are going to need in order to maintain that balance going forward. So, um, you know, I, far be it for me to say that technology will solve this. It won't. But it is one of the component pieces that will contribute to a long-term resolution. So certainly this in concert with everything else, in concert with much broader testing and, and greater accessibility to testing, um, and not just on a one-time basis, but on a repeat basis, so that you can track your status over time as it changes, and then th- and that becomes part of the you know, quasi-public record so people know who's infected, who isn't, and how do we avoid each other. So, you know, obviously this is part of it, but we can't have a solution without it. It's an absolutely crucial piece, not the only piece. There are a lot of pieces, uh, but this one certainly is going to contribute fairly heavily to a positive outcome, not just for Canadians, but for people worldwide. Carmen Levy has been with us, tech analyst, talking about contract or contact tracing uh, as a way to keep us safe from COVID-19. Carmen, as always, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated. Stay well. So great being here, Scott. Thank you. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.